Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Wild Ones podcast, episode 20. I'm Jimmy, this is Francis, and this is the show where we chat about bike stuff. I want to start off the show by offering our deepest condolences. Condolences? Yep. To one of the weirdest bike handlebars in history. I'm assuming you mean the gravel... Thingy-majiggies double Canyon. decker, the double deck, officially named the double decker, maybe, probably That's not. <laughs> uh, Canyon launched their hover bar on the original Grail in 2018, and they finally produced a bike without it, and it's no longer available. The handlebar was designed to reduce vibration on gravelly terrain, as well as providing additional hand placement options. If you have four arms, it was pretty divisive when it was released. Some people liked it. Others thought it was a massive gimmick aimed at getting attention for the brand, which worked. And it definitely did that. Canyon has now released the 2023 version of the Grail, and the hover bar has been replaced by a regular integrated drop bar to be more aero. You know, you said if you've got four arms. Yeah. The first thing I thought about was the big dude in Mortal Kombat. He's got four arms. He's got four arms. Yeah. Do you know, there's the massive thing... I was more arms. I was so more of could, a Tekken guy it. than a Mortal Kombat guy. I know some of the characters. Shows your age. And I've seen the movie. Which movie? But is there multiple yeah. Mortal Kombat movies? Yeah. There's at least wow. two. I think I think there maybe is two in a film. Do they have both? Sorry, the two f- films in a series. I don't remember the forearm guy from the film. That's disappointing. <laughs> I thought you were cool. They've added some new storage features to the Grail instead. Down tube storage in a small compartment on the down tube that has a small tool pack and a mini pump. It also comes with a strapless frame bag that mounts via fidlock magnets at the base of the head tube. That does sound amazing. I'm a bit upset for like, because how many bike bags are made by like small independent businesses that now one of the biggest cycling brands in the world are going to start putting out of business? Totally. Classic direct consumer brand screwing over the little guys. Even Even the bags that are being made at the moment by the smaller brands that fit that will fit the canyon, the new canyon. If you owned one, you wouldn't want to use them, would you? Because you want it to all match and you want it to, mm. to be, um, I'm sure the best fitting bags will be the canyon ones. Yeah. The canyon. I'm sure it's a great product, but... Kind of sad. I always feel, I always feel bad for the little guy. Yeah. Uh, they say they've made these changes because the gravel scene has significantly evolved since the original Grail launched back in 2018. They now classify the Grail as a gravel race bike after introducing the Grizzle in 2021 (laughs) as their more adventure-oriented gravel bike. Personally, I think it's good that they got rid of those double-decker bars because, in my experience, I rode Lawrence's bike and they wobble everywhere. Having, Having said that, he had a bar bag on and there was no way we could pack his bike. We were on this trip in Vietnam. There was... We tried... 10 different ways of packing his bike, different stuff, light stuff in the front bar bag. No matter what we did, you got speed wobble and the bars just moved oh, side so to that's side. That's what you mean by wobble, speed yeah. wobble. So yeah. actually stability wise, they were rubbish. So anytime he took his, it's fine when you're, uh, you're holding onto the handlebars, but as soon as you took your hands off the bars, 
and you're sitting up and you're doing stuff, his bike would just start going. You're saying this problem only existed when he was no handing? Yes. Well, it's not that big a deal then. Well, it is if you're Lawrence, because he barely no. likes, he, he just sits like, up, he sits yeah. up, he's very relaxed. He has his little uh, tea. Oh, he has a hot chocolate, actually. He doesn't drink anything with caffeine. In. Right. He has his little hot chocolate and newspaper, and he, that's how he rides along. I think there might be caffeine in chocolate. Not not the ones that he drinks. Right, okay. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the double-decker bars. I think they would. It's. Um, I was talking to Emily about this yesterday, and I likened them to... Imagine you're sitting in a car, no good for you because you don't know how to drive, and you've got a steering wheel on top of your steering wheel. <laughs> It's just, it's just like, you know, unnecessary. It's like Joseph and Joseph products. It's, but it's it, creating it, a solution for something that is the only problem. reason they exist is marketing, and now we're talking about it on a podcast, Jimmy. Mm. So, I think you win, Canyon. The new bar has got like a weird name, like Double Drop Bar, and I was looking. Yeah, at it, where's it, the double? It's no. just a normal bar. Yeah, it's like a gravel bar. It's flared and things like that. But as far as I can tell, it's 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 normal. But if you think about it, Double Drop, it has drops one on each side, there's two of them. So in fact, we should be calling all drop bars, double drop bars. They're now officially, from today onwards. Double drop bars. Known as double drop bars. I think I worked out what the double drop was. Oh yeah. So you know how usually the, the top part of it would be straight. I think that drops down slightly and then you have the hoods. So it's a drop and then a drop. Does really? that make sense? Oh, I want to try them if you, I wonder if you slide off. Sounds, sounds silly to me. Playing devil's advocate, you guys are obsessed with redshift and suspension stems and the idea of vibration loss. We talked about that. You know, obviously this came out in 2018 when the gravel scene was very, very small, but they're thinking about vibration loss. So, I mean, a bad take on it looks really weird, but maybe they got something right in the innovation side of it. I don't know. Yeah, I, th I think it's good that people are trying things. But surely you design that product and go, this could be good for some people, but surely people are going it, to... It's just like, it just doesn't feel right. You just look at it and go like, that is weird. It's, it's, it's not exciting. It's not like, you don't look at it and go, that looks like fun to use. You look at it and go like, it's just like, where do I put my hands? Do you look at all the memes that came out when that was released? No. And it was just, someone had photoshopped like, 10 bars on top of each other. Yeah. So RIP, double-decker handlebars, gone but not forgotten. Do you like double-deckers? They're all right. Hmm. I'm assuming you mean the chocolate bar rather than the bus. Yes. Because my answer applies to both. Fair. <laughs> on a different note, have you seen the rumors about Wiggle Chain Reaction? Yes. The online retailer, known for their cheap deals, is apparently on the brink of going bust due to financial crisis involving its parent company. The parent company, Signa Sports, not Sigma Sports, Signa Sports, United, have had 150 million euros of funding pulled. It looks like this is having a knock-on effect for Wiggle. Industry rumours are circulating that they have stopped paying suppliers, cancelled orders, and are not receiving goods until further notice. In the last couple of days, they've launched an early Black Friday sale on their website offering 60% off on some products. However, some experts are warning customers to pay on credit cards so that they're covered in the event orders are not delivered. Credit card companies only offer protection for individual items costing over £100 usually and under £3,000 in the event the goods don't arrive. Check with your bank before you buy stuff. So I, I tried doing a bit of digging on this and it looks like Signa Sports, as the parent company, have a really, really complicated, large, sophisticated network of companies, which at, this, at the scale of these businesses is relatively normal. Uh, it's, you know, there's obviously not that much public information available, but it seems like companies at the top cascade money down to companies at the bottom for them to be able to operate for whatever reason, they've decided to stop funding companies lower down and therefore companies lower down are running out of money and inevitably going bust. Um, Sig, uh, sorry, Wiggle Chain Reaction 
must be one of the biggest online retailers in cycling in the world. Well, not just cycling, you know, they're massive in triathlon running, loads of other stuff. They've got loads of brands that they own, like Vitus bikes, which they spent a load of money on not that long ago. DHB clothing, um, which are all Signa brands. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years because it feels like they're all about to implode. But what we don't know is, are they scaling back? Are they just reducing the size of their business because people aren't buying as much stuff as they have done historically? Are they just removing some of the bands? Like, for example, are they willing to get rid of Vitus? Because I think the American Vitus operations has already been closed down. Um but are still going to keep the website. We don't know at this point. There is the possibility of some 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 bargains. I had a look at some of the group sets, and there's some pretty decent priced group sets on there, but to be fair, Wiggle has always had cheap group sets because they've been bashing up the industry for God knows how many years now. It's hard to feel sorry for them. Well, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's hard to feel sorry for the people at the top. It's very easy to feel sorry for probably the thousands of staff which found out with a couple of days' notice, by the way, you're not going to have a job in the next couple of weeks. Totally. And, th- and that um, presumably is thousands of people in countries all over the world. It, you know, it's, they've got operations in this country. They've got loads of stuff in Europe. They've got loads of stuff in America. There's going to be thousands of people which are going to lose their job, which is sad. Mm-hmm. Potentially. They haven't entered administration yet. It's just kind of... Um rumors circulating that they're on the brink well, one, one of the ones that i read said that they have closed down american operations and the staff have been told that their jobs are over oh i see okay so um, people definitely started. Uh, it, started but but that's the thing do you it think is the, all rumors at this point do you think the rumors rumors themselves we're talking about it on a podcast this is going to spook people well, i'm not going to order anything from wiggle after hearing this news i think it goes both ways you know, like the risk adverse will not and the uh, less risk adverse will. So I'm already going, well, I'm going to, I'm probably going to take a punt on a group set. You reckon? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people won't, a lot of people won't be so into cycling that they see the news. A lot of customers will just be Googling a 105 group set mm-hmm. and it will still come up, especially if they're discounting them big time. So. We'll see. Didn't they do a rebrand recently as well? A rebound. Rebrand. Oh, rebound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it, well, they've changed color. It used to be, Wiggle was always the orange and black website, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. very Ch- recognizable. The direction was blue. White and blue. Uh, which it, they ended up both having identical products on. Uh, despite being different websites to begin with, I think Wiggle bought Chain Reaction. Yes. And then it became Wiggle Chain Reaction. It became Wiggle Chain Reaction. Um, so they're essentially the same website. However, they rebranded. Chain Reaction stayed the same, blue, but with a slightly different interface. Wiggle changed big time. It looked like Wish. Yes, Wish also rebranded and they ended up picking the same colors. I, the first time I went on it, I thought I was on the wrong website. I thought I clicked the wrong thing. It's interesting because they'll have spent Weird. a lot of money on that. Must have. So they really haven't been expecting this to happen. The people like, you know, on the front line. Mm-hmm. What does this mean for the industry as a whole? Um, I think a lot of people will argue that it's good because it might mean that independent shops get a bit more power back. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they've been on the ropes for a long time and a lot of indie shops have gone out over the last, gone out of business over the last decade. Uh, not directly, but indirectly because of things like Canyon's direct-to-consumer model, Wiggle's direct-to-consumer model, Wiggle putting pressure, Wiggle being like the Tesco or Walmart probably of cycling in that they are buying so much stuff at a point that they could go to people like Shimano and go, right, oh, that's your price, is it? Well, how about we buy everything, give us a better price? And, you know, they were fame or infamous for selling group sets, especially Shimano group sets, for less than a bike shop. An independent bike shop could get them at trade. (laughs) It was always... um gray market as well wasn't it so it would turn up i bought a group set from there before and it would just turn up in bags in a box gray bags yeah Yeah. (laughs) instead of um the properly packaged Mm. stuff it's bonkers isn't it so i i think in the short term it will probably be bad for the industry in the longer term it hopefully will be good for the industry Mm -hmm. because you know like 
independent bike shops a lot of the time are very valuable like if you manage to find like you know we have backyard bike shop with nick vieri and he just knows everything he legitimately <laughs> does no matter how much you think you know he will know more about it like you know you go oh, i think i want a new bottom bracket and he'll talk about you talk about bearings for like 40 hours yeah and you're like please don't i don't want to hear about the bearings. just put a good bottom bracket in like they 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 have so much value they are experts and there's yes it costs money but in the long run it's cheaper you're getting better products you're getting better better service the chances are something goes a little bit funny with your bike and because you're a customer of the last four or five years you go do you know what i've actually got this issue on my bike and they go they just fix it for you straight away mm -hmm. and you back out again they charge you nothing you know like in the gr in the bigger picture like you're getting a better product from an independent bike shop. It's hard to think ahead like that though, isn't it? It is, yeah. Even we have bought, despite having great relationships with bike shops and knowing that down the line, yeah, then they will get fixed for free or if there's a problem with the warranty, they'll just do it for you. Yeah. You just rock up and they'll switch out the parts and then they'll sort the warranty themselves. Mm -hmm. There's so many benefits, yet you're still, the temptation is there when Wiggle exists. Websites like Wiggle and Chain Reaction, the temptation is there and you just some reason you're lured in by the price and that's it yeah despite it probably costing you more if something does go wrong and stuff goes wrong bike stuff goes wrong yeah and the compatibility thing as well this that i think or you that's buy the wrong thing the the biggest loss of money i've had is probably in compatibility mm. compatibility where you'll buy you know you'll think a chain will work and you fit it and then it doesn't work and then you can't return it so then you have to spend an extra 30 quid or whatever on a different chain because you just thought it'd work or bottom brackets and the problem is you've attempted to fit it so you can't return it yeah. and you just have this box of stuff that you've inevitably bought incorrectly headsets the amount of headsets yeah, yeah, yeah. i incorrectly bought over the all the headset bearings over the years is just just ridiculous yeah w one day we'll ebay it one one day oh, it's all long gone <laughs> long gone this moves us on to our big question of the week, which is very relevant. Has bike stuff become too expensive? Oh, it's just a tough one to answer, isn't it? Like, yes and no. The answer is yes and no. <laughs> the answer is yes and no. Is there realistically any bike in the world that is worth £15,000? I would say probably yes, but not as many as there are for sale mm -hmm. in my head my first thought is what could potentially be worth fifteen thousand pound the fastest time trial bike for triathlon in the world that could be worth a lot of money to someone who's competing and it's going to benefit them yeah you so you yeah. literally spend that money and you are faster guaranteed like that that would potentially be worth the money yeah uh bike for riding recreationally do you need anything more than a sub £1,000 bike, like the sort of bikes that we've been exploring? No. But then £1,000 is still a lot of money. <laughs> so, like, is it too expensive? Yes. But there is ways of it being a good value proposition. I think the biggest challenge that we've had over the years is a decade ago, 105 was not very good. It was okay. Whereas 105 now is like better than the 105 we used to have 10 years ago. So getting used to group sets that are in, in their range lower than what we historically thought of as not being great is like quite challenging. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of roadies out there which will go like, well, I couldn't possibly have a group set that's under 105. That would be like ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But what we have learned is they are actually really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheap, cheap stuff has become, is the best it's ever been. Yeah. For 350 pounds, you can get a bike which is extremely good and you can do any road ride you want on it. Unless you're like, want to race. And if you opinion. did want to race, you could get something really good under a thousand pounds. True. And you True. might, you probably need to make some tweaks. Yeah. But you could spend. You'd have to you spend could, a little bit more money on, on it to get all it. All right. So, sub £1,500, you could get a phenomenally fast bike. Mm -hmm. Not the best or the fastest, mm -hmm. but it would be very, very good. And to me, that is why I don't think everything's got too expensive. 
I think what people, I think the minimum expectation of a person is now too expensive. Like if I was going to go, if I was like, right, I've got rid of all of my bikes, I'm going to go and buy a brand new road bike. Mm -hmm. The bike that I would default to is probably now £10,000, which I would not ever pay ever, 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 ever. But the one that I would look at and go, that's that's the right bike for me, would be £10,000. I wouldn't buy it. Yeah. So I, what I have to do now is change my expectation of what I want. Mm-hmm. And it would be something that isn't in line with what I think or had been marketed to wanting. The difference between a £3,000 bike and a £10,000 bike is so minimal. It would only matter to someone who is relying on it for for something, either personal, you know, getting your personal best and it really means that much to you, uh, trying to get a KOM and it really means that much to you, or it's your job and you're racing and the, the difference is going to be, you know, in that you're racing for top 10 and there, there might be a difference there. But if you are trying to get a com or you're trying to do uh, a race at an amateur level, yeah, that doesn't justify spending an extra £7,000 to get a couple of seconds. Some people it will, though. Some people no, will be prepared to. Yes. If you, if you are wealthy and buying a £10,000 bike is basically the same position as buying a £3,000 bike, whatever, do whatever you want. Why mm-hmm. not? Get the best you, get best you can afford. Mm-hmm. But for real people they don't need that 10,000 pound bike but we all want it and that's, that's kind it. of like yeah, the yeah. hard thing is and it? and that, that in that space things have got more expensive yeah especially in the like since the since the pandemic last 3 4 years yeah things have just there was a point where you couldn't spend 10,000 pounds on a bike correct it yeah. was impossible yeah now it's very easy to spend 10,000 pounds on a bike. I remember when Specialized started pulling stuff out that was around like the eight grand mark. And yeah, I just yeah, remember yeah. thinking like, what the hell what is happening? Happened? Where does it come from? Like, like and who it, is buying it, it, that? It's electric gears, wireless gears, uh, tubeless tires, disc brakes. It's all those things that add to the cost. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not the frame sets per se. Like carbon's been good for quite a while. Um, yeah, but, but it's the, all the extra. The, the frames, you can buy a frame set now for 6,000 pounds. Whereas, mm-hmm. whereas premium frames 10 True. years ago yeah, were yeah, like yeah. 3,000 pounds. A little, little bit of inflation and a little bit. It's just, they've added, added cost. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I, you know, like I don't think a 10,000 pound bike is 7,000 pounds better than a 3,000 pound bike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a 3,000 pound bike is 2,000 pounds better than a 1,000 pound bike. Are you going to, we should plot a graph. Where's the sweet spot? Two thousand pounds. I think it is something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For for someone who's into really into cycling. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You get absolute banger of a bike for two thousand mm. pounds. I think we should explore this, shouldn't we? I think the other problem is when you're in the cycling space for so long, you almost become desensitized to these values. Because I remember when I first got into cycling, and I and and I think everyone does this. You're like, okay, well, what's your budget for a bike? And you'd be like. 300 pounds is a lot of money. Seriously. Yeah. Oh, well, there's people. So we've done uh, a series of videos on cheaper bikes, more affordable bikes. We did one on a 300, 350 pound decathlon rim brake alloy bike and it performed fantastically. Definitely take it out and do all your, your you know, smash up rides in the hills, whatever. And the response to that from our core audience was like, wow, like it's great. You're covering really, really affordable bikes. That's so good, such good value. You can get them 350 pounds, really. Then the video has started being recommended to people on YouTube who are not into cycling anymore. This is just broader audience who might be cycling to work and the comments shifted. So if you like filter it by new comments, you can see all the new people that are watching it and they're going, God, 350 pounds for a bike. You spend three hundred fifty pounds on a push bike. <laughs> it's like well, that's this, that's how bike. normal people think about bikes. <laughs> we have been we are just brainwashed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's other sports that are like this. Like the only one I can think of is like um, anything to do with horses, equestrian, anything like that. It's it's assumed that you spend a lot of money. Whereas dog sports, which I'm also into, all stingy as hell. Everything has to be cheap <laughs> as hell, and it is the same thing. So I think you almost. As you say, like 300 pounds, when I was getting into cycling, 300 pounds seemed, I mean, I ended up 
using my bike to work scheme and end up getting a two grand bike in the end, didn't I? But that was that was <laughs> that was after I did a lot of work to con- convince me. It's actually quite yeah. an interesting story about how I got you into cycling. <laughs> so, because when I met Emily, I was doing a lot of bike riding, and I had already, I think, yeah, I'd already had my Moss bike. So I had a custom steel bike that cost God knows how many thousands of pounds, and yeah. I still have it to this day, and I I love it. It's beautiful. Um, Emily was just like, oh yeah, you know, cycling seems cool. We'll, 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 I'll, I'll buy a bike. And we ended up buying Emily a kid's bike that was about 300 pounds from a weird little shop that had like a basket on it. And it was just kind of like a town bike, but a kid's one. So it was light as possible. And I was like, well, this is just something we can plot, poodle around town on and we'll see if Emily enjoys it. And then you were like, actually, this is kind of fun, but this bike is completely unusable. Yeah, um, I mean, I modded it. I got rid of the basket. I got rid of the mud guards. It was as light as it possibly could be. And it was it was fine. I mean, that's... But it's like it's like kids' cranks and kids' gearing yeah. and stuff. It was just... It was all right for like... <laughs> it, was fine. It, was, it was fine at like ride to the gym and stuff like that. So then it was like, actually, I should get... I'm going to get a bike. And I was like, what is the absolute maximum amount of money you would be willing to spend on a bike? And I think at the time you said 500 pounds. And I said, okay, give me 500 pounds. And then I gave you a £2,000 custom-made steel bike that was absolutely beautiful. Was that the first one? My first one was my Specialized. It was the Moss. Was it? Yeah. We made you a Moss bike, so I got you a custom-made steel bike. You told bike. me it was £500. Because <laughs> I knew you would say no. Yeah. And it was absolutely beautiful. It was the one that had you, you had your Brooks handle bar, bars on it, so it was like... Um, uh, a cruiser-style upright position. Those handlebars alone were £70, the grips. Yep. Nice. <laughs> you had like a 150 pound Brooks saddle and then it was built in a way that we could convert it to a drop bar bike should you want to do that which we did end up doing so then we then converted it to a drop bar bike and you're like actually I kind of like this um and then you wanted to get but but you know it was built as a town bike so it yeah. weighed a, it weighed quite a lot which the smaller you are the more you notice that and then you were like, actually, I've got cycled to work. I'm going to get myself a road bike. And yeah, it was And that was also £2,000. So, I mean, the, it, it got out of control very quickly, didn't it? Mm. I think the only reason we're talking about light is, especially historically, uh, or ultimately, what, one of my focuses with getting Emily into cycling was, if Emily has a bike that's enjoyable to use, it's more likely that Emily is going to ride bikes more. So I was willing to spend my money secretly to get Emily a better bike to increase the chances that Emily goes, actually, this is really enjoyable. I want to do more of it. Yeah. Weight was important in terms of, you know, I was looking at upright bikes and some of them are like 20 kilos or something like that. So when we talk about weight, I'm not talking about I needed a five kilo bike, but it needed to be able to pick it up if I dropped it. Kind of. Can thing. you get it up a set of stairs? Exactly. Just things like that yeah. that matter to people. Which, which is where it lived in our house. Yeah. Exactly. Well, where's the sweet spot, do you reckon, of this is an enjoyable bike to ride in, in money. Well, the, the, stu- the, the, the stuff that we've had recently has been enjoyable to ride, like the decathlon bikes. Yeah. I would say the jump from the 350, 400 pound ones to 800 pounds was a huge jump in. Like, do you remember when you got on it outside decathlon and you were like, oh, this feels amazing. And that, you want that reaction from people? Like that's that's what I, I feel like I want to gift someone that if I was to buy them a present of a bike and they and have them experience what I experience when I ride my nice expensive bikes, what what's the minimum money? I think if you wanted to give someone a bike, probably that has already ridden a road bike, and then go whoa, it's the eight hundred pound decathlon bike. Yeah, and that's mostly because of the geometry and the one hundred five shifters. So you put your hands on those shifters and it just feels right and the geometry is right. But if someone wasn't a roadie, you would give them that bike and they'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah. Can I put a flat bar on this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should probably point out here, 800 pound decathlon bike is not built the same as an 800 pound specialized. In fact, that doesn't even exist. No, it must do. What, 800 pounds specialized? I think there is still a really cheap a rim brake version of it. Yeah, maybe. Oh, it's maybe, probably maybe. rim brake, isn't it? But yeah. I'm pretty sure the shifters won't feel nice. Right. So when I used to race and I wanted a fast bike, I had, or oh, and a bike that looked good. Yeah. I approached it very differently to a lot of people. Um, I used to get really well respected, top end, alloy frame sets 
and then build them up with top end everything. For the people at home, that was uh, Specialized Alley Sprint. And also... Cannondale. Cannondale CAD 12. CAD 12, okay, yeah, yeah. Both of which are very good frames. Similar sort of frame. Uh, well, the, the, the Sprint is aero tubing and stuff like that. Yeah, I suppose so. But in terms of feel, like they're yeah. alloy aggressive geometry. Yes, they're, they're race bikes, mm -hmm. but they're alloy versions of them. Mm -hmm. But then I had a rim brake Dura race group set that I bought on Wiggle for £900 that okay. I used to basically move from bike to bike. So I so I would have either, so I had the Specialized Sprint, uh, Alley Sprint, or the Cannondale CAD 12 with Dura race group set, Parkour's wheels in 60, 50 mil, 60 mil, whichever ones they were, I can't remember. Carbon seat post, carbon saddle, uh, I had carbon bars at a point, but then I went back to alloy bars and an alloy stem. So it was, it was like as top end as you could get for an alloy rim brake bike. Would have cost, either one of them would have cost all in all about two and a half grand. But in theory, the performance would have been on par with a carbon version, which would have been half a kilo lighter, if that. Because I think my CAD 12 was about, 7.3 7.4 kilos it was a light bike bear in mind they're the smallest frames i could get my hands on <laughs> um, which always helps in terms of weight uh and they they were great bikes you know i raced both of those bikes at my level which was fine you could race both of those bikes at much higher levels oh yeah absolutely well, fine if i ended up racing uh a, a bike only in a, a local crit elite level a alloy specialized alloy frame which was actually repainted to say S-Works on the side, <laughs> which I got on at eBay. And it had like Altegra 10-speed on it and stuff. So it was yeah. good. It was good parts. But um, yeah, I'd like broken my other bike for some reason. So I raced that for like one crit and it was fine. Like you can definitely do it. You can definitely do it. I feel, I feel like different story? if I was going to attempt to do that now, what historically cost me two and a half thousand pounds would now cost me five thousand pounds. Yeah. And I don't, that doesn't just feel like inflation to me. For a bike of the same standard, mm -hmm. I disagree. I disagree. Harry Mack, I know his bike fell apart, but he put together a bike which was significantly lighter and faster than what you're talking about for half the money. But So if he spent double on it and spent... Most people aren't even going to consider AliExpress. No, I realize that. But if you've got a 105 group set online and you know how to put it together yourself you got that for 600 pounds you could start with that as a base you could use you could get a old rim brake frame now very cheap online you get a great bike you get a great bike for less than two thousand pounds like what and it would be as good if not better than what you have what sort of what do you think you would get similar well like a I, the old addict you can find old carbon scott addict frames so you're talking about the secondhand market? Yeah, I guess secondhand, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or discontinued. But not bikes that are being produced now because they're the price tags are higher for the same thing But in some cases. I feel like the only way you'd get something comparable, bearing in mind part of that, at least my consideration at the time, is weight. Yeah. You couldn't do that as disc without it being astronomically expensive. It would have to be rim brake, wouldn't it? Yeah, because all the disc frames are more modern and have a higher price tag. So is that what's changed? Because of the move to disc, it's just allowed this like increase in price. And you're locked into having to use a disc wheel and mm. all these things. Yeah. Yeah. And it all adds weight. And the only way to shave off that weight, granted in the grand scheme of things, weight isn't important. However, if, I w if it was important to me because I wanted a seven kilo bike, for example, mm -hmm. I would have to go top end everything as it is now, which would be stupid money. But you could still get a light alloy frame, but then would you get a light alloy frame that's disc? Probably not. <sighs> Interesting. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe we should explore the cheapest seven kilo modern bike. What can we build? How cheap can we make a seven kilo bike? Or like, you know, seven and a half. Seven and a half is like a very light bike that is achievable once you go into seven and a half it's you start having to look at like weird parts and things like that with at least 11 speed on it 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. the rules? What's it, the it rules? It needs to be like a modern group. Because you can make a really light bike with 10-speed Dura-Ace and you can find that so, so cheap. But rim you're talking about. Oh, well, you'd need to have, you'd have to, it would have to be I disc. Think, yeah, disc. Yeah, but then you could do rim brake shifters. You could do what Decathlon do, put rim brake shifters, oh, cable shifters with uh, the hybrid calipers and things that like is that. That's interesting. That is that. That's what I do. That's the way way to save. Well, that's only saves. That doesn't actually save that much weight. But then you definitely have to find a frame that doesn't have internal routing because then that gets messed. That messes up the cabled discs with internally routed cables. It just doesn't work very well. I think it would be hard to make a seven and a half kilo disc bike for like a couple of grand for decent money potentially. Whereas in in the rim brake world, it feels quite easy yeah whereas brands struggle with it you know like the the cheaper just years ago i got the the more modestly priced villia aero bike which was disc and it was significantly heavier almost too heavy it wasn't too heavy only because you were thinking about performance yes hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We asked um, a few experts, didn't we? A few industry experts. The question has has stuff always been expensive? Is it the worst it's ever been now? It yeah. just kind of gets because I think if you ask most people, they'll say yes. But we kind of wanted to find out from people who'd worked in bike shops for a while, what have they noticed? Mm-hmm. So we asked your your friend, long term bike mechanic and ex GB racer Brian. Yeah, I was on WhatsApp last night, so I thought I'd message a couple of people and see what their opinion was about price changes you talk about whatsapp like it's a, like a social media platform you know, i was just, just browsing whatsapp just scrolling whatsapp yeah scrolling through seeing yeah. all the stuff there is actually that on whatsapp people's stories do you not know that i don't want to know oh it's, it's great there's only about two people who use it so what did brian just... say then <laughs> he posted a series of stories back <laughs> he worked in surbiton cycles and used to race for gb on the road and cyclocross uh so a long time buck shop guy as well he goes hell yes it's more expensive, but then again, everything is. Top end road bikes used to be about seven or eight K not very long ago. Now it's more like 12, 13 K. You could buy a top end bike for a few thousand pounds back in the nineties. Then once you get into upgrades, people with more money than cents can easily spend 20 K with ceramic, this and that lighter weight bits, etc. Even things as basic as top end tire is now 80, 90 pounds. Whereas before the pandemic, they were around 45, 50 pounds. Top end saddle would be 150 pound max, and now they're nearly 400 pounds. Shoes, the same thing. Top end shoe has probably doubled in price over the last 10 years. Um, he makes good points. And all of these things he's listed, it's either because they're 3D printed, tubeless, uh, heat moldable. You know, there's all these new features that are cool, but unnecessary mm-hmm. in these products. You know, you're not getting a, yeah, you can get a 3D printed saddle, but why? it's not really any lighter than but, the, but because why? of how it looks. People are like, oh, it's got these weird honeycomb thing. People want that, don't they? I don't think it looks terrible. I'll tell you why. I think it makes me, my skin crawl. Capitalism. Capitalism, exactly. <laughs> any emerging market that becomes large and has enough consumers in it, people make products to satisfy them at all levels. Mm. And you actually see this with everything. Like look at an iPhone. An iPhone always used to be expensive, but might have cost you 400, 500 pounds. Literally like iPhones are like a grand, 1500. Mm-hmm. You will never have enough money to buy all of the stuff that is aimed at you. That's depressing, Emily. It is. But like, but this is the thing, isn't it? So you almost have to change your mindset. Want less. 
want less? Well, I definitely don't want the majority of those. I definitely don't want a 3D printed saddle. You literally already. Although the other day I went bought one. 3D printed saddle. One here somewhere. I bought one for a future video, but I don't want it. No, I I disagree. I think in the back of your mind you're going like, I'll have that later. Lovely. No, definitely not. It's made by Physique. I would rather eat my own hair and ride that. You're going to put it on a display bike, aren't you? Because it because it looks good. It doesn't look good. I think they look horrible. Agreed. The 3D printed thing, it literally, it's like that, um, there's that weird fear of repeating patterns or whatever it is, and that's how it makes me feel. So who else have we got? Next up on the list uh, was Brown, whose real name is not Brown. (laughs) Do you know his real name's Mark? I do know, yeah. Pro mobile mechanic, uh, pro cycling mechanic as well, and he's been in the industry for a very long time. He's been in our videos before. He said, there's no doubt it's got easier to spend more. There are more high-end bling options, ceramic speeds, OSPW, tubeless tires, etc. It's like every part on the bike has an option to spend a ton on. I worked on uh, work. I worked for Specialized at one time, so my yardstick for bikes was always the Specialized Basic Alley and the S Works Tarmac. The Tarmac is almost three times more than it was 15 years ago. Granted, there's a lot more technology now: DI2 gears, carbon wheels. The Alley is about an extra half again. But cycling can be as expensive as you want to make it. I remember going to Perth, Australia to visit my sister, going from my Pinarello Dogma with DI2 and zips to a giant alloy frame with eight-speed Sora. I was disappointed. I fitted some fast tires and my usual saddle and pedals and had some of my most memorable riding miles. So it's important to remember it's not just always about how much you spend. Shout out to Brown, actually. If you're in the Northeast and you need some mobile mechanic work, hit up brownsbikes.co.uk oh brown i love brown he's such a nice guy um but he's yeah 100 right you can it's that kind of ride the the ride he has highlighted there you know brown sometimes he races tts and yeah you want a fast bike for that i get it he gets your pb down all that stuff it's competitive but the ride he's talking about there where he was in australia and having a nice time you know, nor- a normal bike ride, what most people do, the eight-speed Sora bike is absolutely fine. So I've been a on a time. couple of trips where I've rented bikes mm. and then I bought a bike box Allen so I never had to do it again. <laughs> and it isn't because of the spec of the bike, it's because of the position. Yeah. I When I've got my road bike position dialed in, I just love that. I love the feel of that position more than anything. Some people are a lot more reactive to that than others but i'm not i'm not like a hyper i like i don't notice like a cent half a centimeter a centimeter difference in my saddle height but i know my i just have a feel on a bike and my bike i get dialed into that so where i've rented a bike even where i've taken my own pedals and saddle it'll be like too long or too up or whatever and i can't get it dialed in and it just doesn't feel right but it's never about the weight of the bike or the group set or anything like that for me it's just like the feel if i could rent a bike if i could go away rent a bike and i knew it was going to be like my bike so Mm -hmm. i could just dial it in exactly how i want it then i would do that every single time obviously it depends where you go if you're in a place like perth you say perth like it's a city you probably find a bike that a model that you've ridden before Mm. and he's done the right stuff like i would do the same pedals probably some nice tires if you're confident switching them over and stuff maybe it's tubeless and pain in the ass um, I definitely and saddle. I wouldn't know. faff with tires. You wouldn't? No. Ped- pedals and saddle. Mm-hmm. Ped- pedal, saddle, definite. And then I would consider, if I could find out enough information beforehand, I would take like a stem, maybe, depending on, like if I Knowing knew. Knowing what was on there, yeah, you could change if, it. Yeah, if yeah, I'd yeah, be like, yeah. oh, well, I know I want to change it to this because that's going to be more in line with what um, I want. get adjustable stem. Okay, I will. You get ones with, uh, the ang- you can change the angle. So you could do the height and the, That'd be yeah, good. That, that would actually be quite good. Mm. Yeah. Or just a suitcase full of stems. Well, a lot of the issue for me is I like riding bikes that are probably smaller than I should. And I'm already at the small end. So it's very, so you, so I've got to the point where I actually ride like 49, 50 centimeter frames yeah. when I should be probably be riding 51, 52. Whereas getting a 52 from a rental is usually quite hard. So you always end up on a 54. 
And then I'm like, well, I like riding what is essentially a 50. This is just, it's just, it always just, it just never works for me. How annoying is that? There's not anything, there's rarely stuff smaller than a 49. It's probably different now. And the reason I say that is a decade ago, even five years ago, rental companies didn't even consider the fact that women might want to rent a bike. No, not at all. Whereas they probably do consider it more frequently now and therefore <laughs> there should be smaller bikes available. Small, I would hope. Smaller people and women are still undercated for <laughs> by saying, the, the bike problem. industry. <laughs> no, yes, <laughs> they are the problem. Just stretch yourself. No, um, is it just so badly catered for mm. in the world of cycling. Before we get too off topic, let's summarize this question. Has bike stuff got too expensive? Yes. And no. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Time for another round of overrated or underrated. I'm going to read out a list of things and you're going to tell me if they're overrated or underrated. Gravel bikes with flat bars. Uh, underrated. Underrated. They're, they're slower <laughs> than gravel bikes with drop bars. Uh, from my experience, I've ridden both. Um, but there's just something really fun about a gravel bike, a one by gravel, a one by gravel bike with flat bars. I, I like, I have one and I enjoy it. It's the same as an XC bike. It's just fun. It makes you feel like you are a kid with flat bars. Make me feel like I'm a kid riding a bike. Mm. That's all you do, isn't it? You don't ride a drop bar bike when you're a child. So it feels fun. It feels nostalgic. It's good. It's definitely not a, I would 100% not have a flat bar gravel bike over a drop bar one. Mm -hmm. However, if I had so many bikes that I had the option of both, then I would add it on as a secondary. Yeah. So I'm yep. getting rid of my flat bar gravel bike because I basically don't use it anymore. Yeah. Uh, the, the annoying thing around here is getting through barriers. Mm. That actually puts me off riding the XC bike sometimes. Yeah. But it's easier to do a wheelie. Underrated. Hill climbs. Underrated. Underrated. I have a question, and you guys might not know the answer. We might have to Google it. Are there hill climb events in other places in the world? I know there's like the Taiwan KOM challenge. Um, there's events like that, but are there like the UK hill climb sort of event? Time trial from the bottom of a hill to the top of a hill. I don't know. Why don't you ask, ask the audience? Ask the audience. Please put in the comment section down below. I'm sure there is, but... Clearly, it's not it's not as much of a scene. Whereas here, we have a season where all the hill climbs happen. Mm. That's my guess. Winter as well. Winter. And they are brilliant. They're probably the best cycling spectator sport. Why why did why did they decide that hill climbing season in the UK would be winter? Because <laughs> it's always bleak places with like slippy roads and things. I guess it? it's like squeezing it into a, a bit of the season where people still have fitness, uh, but it's not interrupting a road season mm. because there's just not enough space in the calendar is there you want spectators to come out in winter yeah but it's still just and leave it any later and it gets too cold it gets snowy and stuff you could also say that about football rugby hockey all of the like the winter season sports in this country it's to keep people happy during winter because otherwise people would get very sad right what's next up press ups underrated underrated um, Put Emily's face. <laughs> Patrick Stewart. He, he he claims that doing a hundred push-ups a day his entire life is what's kept kept him like good in old age. Patrick Stewart is that guy from X Men and numerous other things. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They're very good. It's a it's a good workout. Mm. It's, a, it's a full body workout. Yeah. Overrated. No. <laughs> Beans on toast unbelievably underrated. Why do Americans hate beans on toast? They haven't had it properly. Toast, bread, in toaster, make it nice and crispy. Bucket loads of butter. Well, that's non, it. The non-dairy version if you want. Exactly. Tons of, tons of it. Heinz baked beans or any alternative, but preferably ones with loads of salt and sugar in. In a pan, stew them slowly for like 20, 30 minutes so they go all congealed and globbly. Smash them on top. And if you really want to send it to a next level, get some grated cheese on top of that. Heaven. Fiber, carbohydrates, good carbohydrates, protein, fat if you want to add loads of butter and cheese, which you obviously do. What a meal. Can I say a possibly an underrated type of bean is the Branston baked bean. 
so, so you mean so like the brand? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It comes in like a black can mm. with beans on the front. Yeah. Funnily enough, yeah. Oh, can you it's believe good. it? Yeah, really good. They are good. However, Heinz ones have a ring pull easier. <laughs> when I have c- cans in the cupboard and they haven't got a ring pull, I'm like they just get pushed to a side. Just not not enough time for that. Um, Emily doesn't like bean juice and it upsets me. Oh. I don't like excess bean juice because the problem is when they're in the can for too long, the the beans sink to the bottom and all of the juice goes to the top. So I just don't like that first pour where you get all of the bean shake juice. It. You shake the can before you before you open it. No, no. So, so Jimmy took what? that so literally that he once put all of the beans into the sieve and then washed them <laughs> under the. <laughs> That, that, that is an overrated beans on toast. And then he poured it on and then it was like, there you go. And I was like, what is this? I was like, I was so excited. I was like, she is going to love this. I was like, this is going to be the best beans on toast she's ever had. And she's like, what the f- have you done? What type of bean is a, in a, oh, a bean? I do know on, this. A bean. Oh, I do know this. <laughs> it's not haricot bean. Um, I can't remember. White bean. It's just a white, white bean. What's your thoughts on cold baked beans? Love them. I I have even had cold baked beans on toast. Nah. Where I was cutting out a step to speed up the process. Toasted bread, butter, cold baked beans poured straight on. Oh, but hot bread. Yeah. Toasted bread. And they just mm. eat. I, I always, whenever I do have baked beans, I'll always have a spoon before whilst I'm cooking. Savage. Phenomenal. You're a savage. They are even better. I'll be honest, cold baked beans are better than warm baked beans. Horrible. I am with you though. I do get rid of a little bit of the juice. Bean juice. Oh, you two weirdos. I'll make you some sieve beans sometime. <laughs> Next up, cats. Overrated. They're the most hideous creatures in the world. Hideous. Horrible things. I think some cats are really nice. Coach Ken has a little cat. He's very sweet. No. He's a bit fat. I think I think um, emotionally I connect with cats quite quite a lot, mm. but I think they're absolute little Because you're very like them. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, pr- it's probably like a clash of like personality more than anything. Mm. Dogs, um, correctly rated. Yes, everyone, everyone loves, loves dogs, dogs. <laughs> and they should because they are phenomenal. They're the loveliest creatures on earth, aren't they? they? Are, yeah. Yeah. yeah, nice. You're not like a dog. No. It's time for fluff up of the week. Do we have to rock out? Whoops. <laughs> so. Oh, got a head rush after that. We forgot to add one last week. Is that the fluff up? No. The fluff up is we put together some slat wall, which you might be able to see in one of the shots. Maybe. Probably not. No, you can't. There's some slat wall, which is stuff that is installed in shops to hang up things. We've hung loads of tires on it. And you have to put in these little strips where you lock in the hooks to. And you have to put all the strips in. All the way up the slat wall. I put them all in upside down. I, w- I was making sure you didn't use the word we there and you didn't. So good. Yeah. well done. I put them in all upside down. Then we and fixed then we it only to the wall. Dis- discovered, yeah, fixed it to the wall. And then I discovered that they were they were the wrong way around. Mm-hmm. Which was really annoying because we had to slide them out really awkwardly. So I was up a ladder for about 20 extra minutes. No, another thing I can add to this, uh, which is as part of our phase 500 of the studio mm. we've moved the podcast setup again and i was meant to get a longer xlr cable for your microphone um which is why it is now black and not bluey green like my one uh, oh, yeah. bluey purple uh so i had to go back out this morning to the local music shop and buy another cable rather Thank you. than i love my new cable yeah good good well good yeah. and our comfy new chairs oh it's very nice isn't it from ikea the only problem with them is that Bella thinks that she's now allowed to sit on your knee constantly. So every so often, if you're watching on camera, you will just see her face in front of one of your faces. That's I enjoy that. That's not a problem. That's yeah. the best bit about the podcast. It makes me warmer as well, and I'm freezing. I need some sort of indoor. Everyone made fun of me for my rain jacket last week. Yeah. So I, I thought it I'd brave it. I need an indoor jacket. You, or you dress a like a, you dress like a child. Yeah. You just like, I just put my shorts and t-shirt on every time, no matter what the weather is. Whereas what adults do is they go, oh, it's seven degrees outside. I should probably put a jumper on. No, I, re- I reject You don't even seven have, do you even own jumpers? No. I think I've got a wild one. Dress like because, a child. Because I own the company. <laughs> <laughs> I've worn it a couple of times. And I'm like, oh, this is, I could get into this and I forget. Yeah. I think we should all get smoking jackets. 
Oh, you joke. Yeah. I was literally looking at them yesterday. <laughs> I can believe that. That's a shout that. <laughs> Let's finish up with listeners takeover. We've got a question from Nathan. Wasn't Hi. it Nathan last week as well? Yeah. It's a, I hope it's a different Nathan. Who, Who knows? knows? <laughs> Emily knows. <laughs> Okay. Uh, hi, Jimmy, Francis, and Emily. I occasionally see people struggling on bikes when I'm out for a ride. And while I'd like to give them advice, while if I can, I don't want to come off as condescending or rude or be seen as an elitist snob looking down on people. Do you have any advice on how to approach people and offer them tips if they appear to be struggling? Yes. King regards. <laughs> Good. Nice. Uh, my advice is don't. Yeah, likewise. They might not be struggling. You might just think that they are. Uh, they might not want advice. And if they did, they'd probably seek it from somewhere. Yeah, they might ask you. If you're on a group ride, you know, occasionally I've had people go like, oh, can you help me with this? And it's perfect. The most offended I've ever been as a cyclist is riding with one of my favorite people to ride bikes with, which is Chris Hall. Mm -hmm. And Chris is one of those people that bangs on about being rubbish at climbing, but always breezes up a climb chatting away. And I think, I can't remember where we were. There was a, an occasion we were riding up this climb and he decided to start pushing me and I lost it. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> lost it. But only because it's like, it, it was condescending. He, it wasn't his intention. He was just like, oh, I'll just give Jimmy a little push. La, 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 yeah, la. yeah, yeah. Everyone's having a great time. However. I, I, don't, even th I don't even think it was, it, he just did it. I don't even think it was like particularly hard or whatever. And it, I just, it just infuriated me. However, I'm sure we've been in situations where, was it you? Were, were we, at any point during our Spanish bike packing, were you were like requested a push up the hill? Um, I can't remember. Pro probably. Because I was probably trying to get the day done, and therefore it was it was it was easier. It's quick. It was just get it done, <laughs> get it done. I've definitely pushed a lot of people up climbs before, but it's always been a request. Mm. Never. The difference is if you're friends with someone, that's when you can kind of offer. Like to a stranger, it's very, very, very difficult to not be condescending, isn't it? Mm. I guess. I guess if yeah, if you know this person and you still want to offer advice probably what i do is you know you're having a coffee afterwards or whatever and just offer an option of advice is probably what i would do i.e um i don't even know i couldn't even possibly work out how to word it i've got an example so if if for example they're struggling on hills and you think it's because they haven't got the appropriate gearing you could say oh how are you finding the hills around here and then let them say, oh, you know, they're quite hard, da-da-da. It's like, well, one thing that I tried or one thing that helped my friend Francis oh. is da-da-da-da-da. Emily's so good, isn't she? Oh, Do you know what I mean? You. Rather than going, your gears are too hard. You have to verify with them where the, where the, the thing you think they're struggling with is They're actually struggling. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you, you can just ask if there's, for example, uh, someone repairing a puncture and you can see they're struggling with it or they might be taking a while. You can say, would you like some help? Yeah. All and it then takes. if you say no, no means no, great. Yeah. yeah, No means no. Yeah, No, I want to practice. Cool. But that's, if someone says to me, are you, are you struggling? I'm going to go, no. <laughs> Even if you are. I'm not struggling. What do you mean? <laughs> I don't know, actually. I guess it depends what mood I'm in. It's hard, isn't yeah. it? But also what makes you think you have the right answer as well? Like, so Nathan, this email was like slightly longer but I tried to make it a bit more succinct because you always tell me off if I leave the full email and it's really long. Um, but he said something like a guy once came up to him and told him that his saddle was too low. Um, and he said it was actually correct. My saddle was too low, but he said it in a really condescending way. He said that he used to be a bike fitter and he used to race in the 90s and da, da, da. And he said that I look stupid which obviously isn't a good way to do it. But also like, how do you know if someone's saddle's too low? I don't. You don't. There's lots of people. Uh, I know people who have to run a low saddle because they have problems with their back and things like that. They've had surgery. There's a, there's a guy on, um, stumbled on his page the other day on Instagram. I can't remember his name. I'll try and find it. And he rides with the shortest cranks you've ever seen. So, and he posts videos like his, it's, they're so short. It's striking when you first come across the videos probably why he posts the videos. However, it's uh, a medical thing. You know, it's like a, a physiological constraint, should I say. Mm -hmm. uh, so you never know what's going on 
with people's bodies and yeah. uh, often it's best to not ask at all or if you get to know them better you you know and it feels right then sometimes it's fine to ask and that, that's I, cool. I guess there is, there is i guess there are scenarios like for example if you can see someone's like rim break is literally on or if then, something's dangerous yeah, yeah. And, and you're on a group ride with them then yeah 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 it's like someone's back wheel is wonky or something like that mm. you can easily you can yeah I, i'd say there's a there's a time and place there's mm. a time and place so I, I hope that helped, Nathan, but I feel like it didn't. <laughs> That's all for this episode. If you have a question or a story, send it to wildonespodcast at cademedia.co.uk. Before you go, give us a like, and if you're listening and enjoy our chats, give us a five-star review, because obviously that's what you should do. Uh, we would be eternally grateful. See you all soon. Eternally. That's what it says on the sheet. <laughs> I'm, I'm like the, um, what's his name? Um, Anchorman. Just reading Ron, exactly. Ron Burgundy. I'm yeah. going to edit your outro <laughs> next week. <laughs> Francis is the greatest human ever to have lived. Jimmy is a tood. What's a tood, Francis? That's what it says. That's what it says. <laughs> Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.